Hey man, what's up ACR campus? Man, it is awesome to be here. It's great to be here in Virginia Beach, but even more amazing to be in this spot. Isn't this beautiful out here? Man, like we said earlier, the ocean right there. This is, uh, I'm, I'm okay. This is, uh, this is hands down the coolest spot that I've ever preached before. Uh, this is gorgeous. This is my first time here. I've never been outside of the car in Virginia, and so it's nice to be uh, here with you for this conference. It's been a lot of fun so far, and uh, I'm glad we're right here and the, the statue of Neptune's not right here, because uh, I feel compelled to be like Paul and say, I'm distressed to see that your city is full of idols. But it's just one down the road, and it's pretty cool, so I think it could stay there. And I know you guys aren't worshiping Neptune, so it's all right. But, you know, Chelsea and I love our relationships with uh, some of our friends here in the ACR. Uh, we love our friendships with the Malcolms, the Flinchballs, the Fisks, and the Lunds, and my boy Seth Mitchell. You know, we got some great relationships here. You know, I, I technically kind of babysat Seth before, so I'm not that much older than him, but his parents were, were concerned and left me with him. So, no, Seth's awesome. Love you, Seth. You know, you guys have got, oh, he's over here. I was pointing over here. Love you too, man. You know, you guys have some amazing men and women faithfully leading the way. And uh, it's awesome to see what God is doing in the ACR. And so I'm just going to jump right into it here. Uh, I'm excited to be able to preach to you for a little bit. And then we're going to have a fun time together. You can open up in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. And the title of the lesson this afternoon is Move On. Move On. You know, my question for you is, do you want to see God do something great in your life? Do you want to see God do something great through you? I hope you do. And I want to tell you that God is ready to use you. God is ready to use you. Not later, now. And not for something ordinary, but for something extraordinary. But the challenge is that there's often obstacles in the way, aren't there? You know, today I hope that despite whatever is holding you back, you'll listen to God calling you not to sit still or stay stuck, but to move on. You know, if you're a new disciple, or if you just feel stuck or that you're struggling, your vision should be to get active, strong, and to grow. If you're mature in the faith or you're on fire, then dream to dig deeper, to take it higher, because there's no cap with what God can do through us. Amen? So I want you to think about what do you want to see happen in your life for God? That's your victory to move on towards. And then I want you to think about, well, what's stopping you? That's your obstacle to move on from. In Exodus 13, we find God has just saved His people Israel from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and they're now, they're now traveling towards this incredible promised land that God has for them. On their way, they face obstacles that God calls them to move on from and to move on to the victory. So let's read here in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, and we'll be jumping around a bit. You guys with me this morning, this afternoon? Great. Exodus 13, verse 17. It says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. 
Jump down to verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so God's with them as they're traveling away from Egypt. And then what happens is Pharaoh changes his mind. So he had let them go, but then he changes his mind and he sends his army out. Go back and get them. And then in verse 10 of chapter 14, we'll pick back up. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So God tells them, move on, raise your hand, stretch the step, part the sea so they can go through, right? And that's exactly what happens. The sea parts, the Israelites travel through, and then the Egyptians come on after them. Right after the Israelites get through the sea on dry ground, God collapses the water and wipes out the Egyptians. Let's pick up in verse 29 where this all ends. It says, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. I mean, isn't that an inspiring story of God displaying His power to His people? Man, what an amazing story of deliverance. You know, we see here that God was with them. And despite the obstacles, despite serious obstacles, God brought about a great victory for them. And I want you to know, this isn't just their story. This is your story. This is our story. And it's our story in a really cool way. You know, you just follow me for a second here. The Israelites were in slavery to Egypt. We were in slavery to sin. To get Pharaoh to let go of them, they had to kill an unblemished lamb and the firstborn of, Israel, of Egypt had to die. For us to be released from slavery to sin, the firstborn of God, Jesus, had to die, who is the unblemished lamb of God. They had to wipe the blood of the lamb over their wooden doorposts. Jesus' blood was wiped on the wood of the cross. Then they had to flee from what they were in slavery to, the Egyptians. We too need to repent and flee from what we were in slavery to, sin. But it's still not done yet because this, this, the, what they were in slavery to, Egypt, came after them. And it had to be destroyed. What destroyed it? The water. Just like us, we repent 
And then in the waters of baptism, our sin is dealt with and is no longer in control of our lives. This is their story, but this is your story as a disciple of Jesus. And if you're not a disciple yet, that can be your story if you decide to follow it. This isn't just their story. This is your story. God has saved you and God wants to use you. God wants to use you to build His kingdom. To, for you, to use you to live with excellence for Him. For you to walk close with God. And to use you to save as many others as possible. And so like them, God is calling you to move on from your obstacles and move on to the victory. And those are my two points for us today. Move on from the obstacles and move on to the victory. You guys still with me? First point, move on from the obstacles. You know, the Israelites had a victory in mind. Let's get there to the promised land. But they also had some serious obstacles to deal with to get there. They had an elite, wealthy, maybe the most powerful army in the world at that time coming after them from behind and a huge Red Sea ahead of them. So go, go backward, army. Go forward, sea. These are not two good options. You can imagine a very real game of would you rather broke out amongst, amongst the Israelites here. Bro, would you rather be decapitated or drown? Which are we going to pick here? And that would have been a very scary and serious situation. You know, they thought that the obstacles had the upper hand, but they were soon to find out that God was greater than the obstacles. You know, I remember a particularly dumb night around the age of 13 where some friends and I set up an obstacle for someone that we didn't even know. You know, I grew up in a farm town and you got to figure out fun stuff to do and it was a blast. And so when we were 13, three or four of us, uh, we went out one night late at night and we're walking on the road looking for something to do and we got this dumb idea to start collecting trash cans from the end of people's driveways. And so we each were dragging one trash can in each hand full of garbage until we got to a spot on the road where there was a turn coming around the corner. And we said, let's line these up so the next person to come through plows right through these things. Not thinking at all about the consequences, right? And so we line them up and then we go hide in the woods, maybe 10 feet in from the street, lay down, and we're just waiting. Finally, we hear a truck coming, right? And, we're, and this is like a pickup truck. And we're like, oh, here he comes. And he's coming and he just plows through these garbage cans. And we're like, oh, that was awesome. But then he slams on the brakes. And we're like, what's going on? And then we hear him get out of his car and immediately start cursing and yelling, who's out there? Who did it? And we get up and we start sprinting as fast as we can into the woods. We're running. This guy's yelling after us, looking for us. I know you're out there. I'm sweating, running. Finally, I'm getting in the woods and I find this stump to lay behind. I lay down and then my phone starts ringing. And all my friends are like, dude, turn your phone off. Shut your phone off. And I'm like, quick, trying to put it on silent. And this guy's yelling, looking for us. Finally, he gives up. We're just laying there, panic-stricken for a while. Gets back in his truck, drives off, and we come down and leave and never did that again. We set up this obstacle, and this guy turned it in on our heads, right? We set up the obstacle, he plowed right through it, and we went from being the, the, on the offense to on the defense, running, sweating, hiding from this guy who plowed through our obstacles. Just like that guy in the truck, God is greater than the obstacles. Right? Whatever obstacles you feel like are set up to stop you, God who is with you is greater than those obstacles. No matter how stacked against you or unexpected or around the corner and you didn't see it coming, God can deal with the obstacles. God can destroy the obstacles. God can send them running. 
God can turn the obstacles around. You know, now is the time for you to move on from whatever's holding you back and keeping you stuck in your walk with God. You might have obstacles behind you like they had the army coming. Obstacles behind you might be past mistakes or failure. Or something that's keeping you from moving on to the victory might be a mistake or failure from your past. And now you feel afraid of making the same mistake again or feeling like, well, I messed up before, so why should I try again? And afraid to put yourself out there. And so one of the obstacles behind us can be past mistakes and failure. Another obstacle from the past that might stop you is shame and guilt. Because we've all got sin in our past. And that Satan, even though God's forgiven it, Satan can use that to make us think we're not good enough. Or God doesn't want to use you. And so shame and guilt can be an obstacle from our past that keeps us from moving forward. Maybe it's things that people have said to you. Growing up or in your past, people belittled you or talked down to you. And there's just things that people have said to you. Or maybe you've even said to yourself in the past that's holding you back. I don't know what it is for you, but some of us, we've got obstacles behind us. Like the Israelites had. But what I love it said here... At the end of this uh, verse I read was that Israel looked back and saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Their, their obstacle behind them, God took care of it. And so God has dealt with your mistakes. God has dealt with your failures, dealt with your sin, dealt with your shame. He's dealt with your past. For Him, it's destroyed and done with. Right? We've got to learn from it. We've got to be humble from it. But we don't need to be controlled by it. And so you can leave behind the obstacles from your past and that are behind you. But you might also have obstacles before you, like they had the Red Sea. Obstacles before you might be maybe fear or doubt. Man, I'm afraid to put myself out there. Man, if I do, I'm not sure how it's going to go. And you might be held back by fear or doubt of the future. Maybe it's uh, effort that needs to be put in. Man, I want to do this, but it's going to be hard. It's going to require work and discipline. And so that might be the obstacle. Maybe it's just kind of like future fantasies. Well, I want to do this for God. I want to do this for the church. But I'll wait until I'm done with school. I'll wait until finals are over. I'll wait until this happens. I'll wait, and, and we just, I'll wait until I have a husband or a wife, right? And we think about, I'll do this when this happens, right? And, and just have these obstacles of the future instead of really living in the today. You know, it said the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. So whatever obstacles lie before you, God can split in two and make a way through. Whatever obstacles lie before you, God can deal with them. You know, lastly, it might be obstacles within you, right? Things not behind you, not before you, but within you. The Israelites said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You know, they had this inner conflict going on of, Man, we want to follow God, but we want to stay where it's safe and secure and where we, where we have better food and where things, we, at least we weren't going to die, right? And so they this inner conflict of spiritual versus worldly thinking. And maybe that's what's holding you back is, is obstacles from within that you need to change your way of thinking and your heart with. Maybe it's distraction where you're not moving on to victory for God because you're so distracted and your mind is in a million different places and not really focused on building God's kingdom. Maybe it's sin that's in your life. And you've just got to finally deal with the sin that keeps holding you back. You've got to ask, how long do I want to keep struggling with this thing? You know, now is the time to move on from whatever that sin in your life is. You know, if you even want to think about when was the last time you fell into impurity, 
Why not let that be the last time you fell into impurity? And let that just finally move on and be done with it. You know, maybe it's misplaced passion within you. You know, where, where you want to be a disciple, you want to do things for God, but what you're really excited about is something else. When you wake up, what you're really focused on, really excited about, yeah, you want to see great things, but it's kind of like a hobby. And what you're really passionate about is something else. You know, I'm, I am worried about misplaced passion and the kingdom of God not being on the forefront of what young men and women are passionate about. You know, for the brothers in here, are you more passionate about holding a controller than getting control of your life and your purity? You know, for the sisters, do you leave the house more worried about your contour lines than if your day is aligned with God? Really, what are, what are you more concerned with? You know, for, for all of us, brothers and sisters, you've got to care more about your God connection than Wi-Fi connection. Right? Spend, I would encourage you to spend less hours Netflix streaming and let's get more souls streaming to baptism. Amen? You know, we spend too much time on stuff that doesn't matter. You were made for something better. God is with you to do something better. You know, the Israelites forgot the power of who was with them. There was obstacles before and behind them, but guess what? There was also a God before and behind them. And so too, there is a God that is before and behind you. You've got to remember God goes before you. And you've got to look to God instead of the obstacles. He was in a cloud by day. And God gives us protection, strength, and provision as a cloud by day. He went as a fire by night. God goes before you in power, guidance, security as a fire by night. So God goes before you night and day. He's constantly leading you. For them to look at God, if you said, hey, look towards God, that meant looking up and looking ahead. And that's what we need to do too. Instead of looking at the obstacles, look to God, which means look up and let's look ahead. God goes before you and God also is behind you. In verse 19, it says, the pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them. They decided to move forward and God said, all right, I'm getting behind you here then. So when you move forward, God gets behind you. God gets you behind you and He's got your back. He'll catch you. He'll motivate you. He'll protect you. God's got your back when you move on for Him. You know, you decided to follow Jesus. Jesus lived every day overcoming obstacles because He was here for something better. Jesus' greatest hurdle was the cross. And He even endured that for us. And if the cross didn't stop Jesus for you, then don't let anything stop you for Him. So this afternoon, I want you to really think about what obstacle is it time for you to move on from? Are you going to let God finally deal with it so that you can move on? God is behind you, before you, within you. So move on from the obstacles. And my second point is move on to the victory. You guys still with me? Move on to the victory. You know, once God removes the obstacles... It's not just for us to sit there and do nothing and go, cool, no more obstacles. God deals with the obstacles and then it's time for us to intentionally and faithfully move on to the victory, to take action forward. You know, the Bible doesn't say sit with the Spirit, it's keep in step with the Spirit. God's moving on and He's calling us, move with me, go. Right in verse 10, it says they, they see the obstacles and it says they cry out to God, they're praying. And then in verse 14, as they're praying, they're crying out to God. They are told something that honestly sounds great. 
Some of you amen. Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. All right, so just be still and God will take care of it. You know, that sounds great, but only half of that was true. The Lord will fight for you, but don't be still. In verse 15, God says, why are you crying out to me? Basically saying, why are you just sitting there praying? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand so that the Israelites can go. He said, look, glad you're praying, but don't just sit there. Let's move on and do this thing. Let's move on to the victory. You know, God is calling us to move on to victory. And it's not just going to magically fall into your lap. You know, God is not a genie that you make wishes to. Carry on as usual and hope they come true. You know, real discipleship is asking a great God to walk with you and fight for you as you go. You're asking God, go with me. God, I'm going with you. The Israelites wanted victory, but they didn't want to fight for it. Their plan was to pray, do nothing, expect something. And I think we can do the same thing. You know, it says they marched out dressed for battle, but God said, I got to take them a different way because if we go the shorter way, they're going to have to fight and they're not willing to do that. They wanted victory, but they didn't want to fight for it. And I think we can do the same thing. You know, you might want character change to change something in your character. You might want to finally live a disciplined life. Maybe it's victory over a sin. Maybe it's perseverance. Maybe it's making an impact on your campus or with, with people in your life. You know, you, you want these changes, but do you say it, pray it, but not act like it? No, I think we can want victory without being vigorous. Glory without the guts. Trophies without the tears. Blessings without the battle. Celebration without the sweat. But it doesn't work that way. They go together. In chapter 13, verse 18, it says they left Egypt armed for battle. So they look the part. They're wearing the armor. They've got the weapons. They look the part, but they aren't playing it. They're all talk, no walk. And sometimes as disciples, we can be like this. Dressing the part, right? We, we show up to things. We know the right lingo, the right words to say. We carry our Bibles. We go to conferences. We know the verses. We're like, oh, I know that verse. I'm familiar with that. Maybe even we have goals and things we say we want to grow in. But then we're not in the battle accordingly. Right? We don't want to dress, dress, just dress the part. We want to walk the part. What are some of the ways that I can see this? You know, I think sometimes it could be a, a, just honestly a lame fight effort when facing hardship or temptation. You know, sometimes disciples, we go through stuff, a rough time in life, it, like so, a sin that's really tempting us or that we're falling into. or It's just something really tough that you're going through in life that you don't have control over. And we might say... Yeah, I'm going through this. I'm working on it. I'm trying to. But if you really got in there and looked at how hard are you really fighting this, would it be that impressive? You know, Jesus spent three hours praying in Gethsemane before he went to the cross. And I think if you're saying you're fighting really hard for something, you're starting to think about giving up. I'd ask, have you at least spent three hours praying about it like Jesus did? How many people have you talked to about it? How many people have you gotten advice from about it? How many verses have you memorized about this? How much have you really fought for it? And to be honest with yourself about that. You know, maybe it could be praying to make disciples, but then hardly sharing your faith. Or you do for a week, but then not the rest of the semester. Or you get numbers of people, but then after a week or two, stop following up or stop praying for them. 
Or you're not learning how to lead the Bible study. So you, you say, I want to help someone become a Christian this semester. But then two weeks in, what, what are you doing to help that actually happen? Maybe it's praying for, I want close relationships. I don't, I, feel, I don't feel close to people. I don't feel like I have relationships like I feel other people have. And then you're feeling that. And then you start to show up even less to Devo. Less to midweek. Or you show up, but you're just waiting for it to come to you. You know, you've got to put in the action to see the relationships built. You know, for the brothers, maybe you're saying you want to find a girlfriend, find your wife, but are you even going on dates with people? You know, you might say you want this, but then you've got to put in the action. Maybe you're praying for purity in your life, but then you're still staying up late, watching the wrong shows, keeping your computer on or your phone on too late at night, or even hanging alone, out alone with non-disciples of the opposite sex and then saying, man, why do I keep messing up in my purity? You've got to say this stuff, pray for this stuff, but then act for it as well. What's God's plan for us to grow and to have victory? It's to ask and act. We've got to pray about it, but then go live it out. Faith and deeds. When you have them together, now you're really dressed to impress God and see His power at work in your life. And don't get me wrong, prayer is vital. We're not going to grow. We're not going to see great things happen without God. Apart from God, we can do nothing. So be men and women of prayer. But when you pray, move on from that prayer acting like God is with you, answering you, fighting for you. Act like you said that prayer. Have faith like you prayed that prayer. You know, this afternoon, are you going to leave here someone who talks the talk or walks the walk? Are you going to have a fight or flight faith? And I hope that your faith is a fight faith where you really get in there and live out what you say you believe. You know, God is looking to see in the ACR campus and around the world who's really on the battlefield, who's really in the fight. And so we want to leave here being people who endure hardship, who dig into the Word, who wrestle in prayer. You know, be on the mission field. Go out of your way for others. Do great in school and in your personal walk with God. You know, wake up every day, and this is your plan for the day. Wake up every day and say, I'm going to get down, pray, then get up and go slay. Get down, pray, then get up and go slay. Sisters, don't just slay with your hair. Slay as an heir to the kingdom of God. Brothers, don't just slay in Fortnite, but slay in fervor for God. No, all of us, let's, let's take up the cause of the kingdom. Live a life that honors God. You know, for all of us, let's be the best disciple of Jesus that you can be. Be the best disciple of Jesus that you can be. Move on from the obstacles and move on to the victory. You know, I've seen God do incredible things when I've decided to look at Him more than the obstacles and to faithfully move on over and over again. You know, I just want to share my story briefly here with you for a few minutes. I grew up with two best friends. I didn't grow up in the church. And I grew up with two best friends, John Rodeo and Bobby Ritter. And John Rodeo, we graduated high school. I stayed in New Jersey for college. And John went up to Boston College. Second week of uh, freshman year, John was invited to Bible talk. He came, studied the Bible, became a disciple. His girlfriend, Tiffany, who I also grew up with, she studied the Bible, became a disciple. A year later, they're home for Thanksgiving break. And John decides to use this time to study the Bible with me. He was only home for three days. I was living a very worldly life at that time, really deep in sin. And it would have been easy for him to see the obstacle of, I'm only home for three days. 
Rob's totally not into this right now. Maybe let me just connect with them and we'll, you know, work on it. And sometime later, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll dig into the Bible with him. You know, we hung out Thanksgiving night after we had had family separately with our dinner and he just went for it with me. We stayed up till three o'clock in the morning studying the Bible. And by the end of the night, I was asking him to get baptized. We got together the next day, did a few more studies, got together the next day, did a few more. That Sunday morning, I didn't go to the church that I had grown up going to anymore. Because I knew what they taught was not biblical Christianity. I didn't go. I met up with John. We took communion together. And then he left to go back up to Boston and set me up with one of the evangelists in New Jersey. I got together with him a few days later. And that Friday night, I was baptized into Christ. Within the first week of having that first Bible study. I went to church for the first time two days after I got baptized. And I've been faithful for the last nine years. And it's been awesome. It would have been very easy for John to see the obstacles instead of what God could do. And it didn't stop there. God, God just did amazing things that first year I was a Christian. You know, I was a baby Christian, not a kingdom kid, new to the whole thing. I had no idea what I was doing. There was no Bible talk at my school, no other disciple at my school. I lived an hour from church, no campus minister, my ministry of about eight disciples at that time. Didn't know how to lead. Nobody had trained me yet or even really was training me right away. But guess what? I knew that God was with me and called me and that that was enough to do something awesome. So I prayed every day. I got advice. I started getting training, but I didn't wait. I went for it. I was scared out of my mind. I was nervous, insecure, a total noob, but I knew God was with me. And so I went for it. You know, I had my first Bible study with my younger brother, Eric, before I had even gotten baptized. The first day after I had my first study. Two months after I got baptized, my brother, Eric, became a disciple. You know, two months after I got baptized, a friend of mine, Brian, that I reached out to and studied the Bible with became a disciple. I started a Bible talk two months after I got baptized at my college where I was the only disciple. I previously was part of InterVarsity on campus and I went to their, to their first meeting to tell them I wasn't going to be part of it anymore. I showed up, they didn't show up. And I was like, well, guess that solves that. I wrote a note and I said, hey, it's Rob. I won't be part of InterVarsity anymore, but I will be doing my own Bible study Thursdays in the student center if any of you are interested in coming. Left the note on the table. Another guy named Vince came to go to InterVarsity. Saw no one was there, saw my note, came to Bible talk. That was the first guy I baptized on campus. Vince is still faithful with his first daughter. I was part of a youth group uh, at my old church and I had a lot of friends from that. I started inviting them. I invited my friend Jamie. She came and got baptized. I invited two friends, Leah and Hannah, who were sisters. They came. They both got baptized that year. And then their mom ended up becoming a disciple as well. I invited this girl, Eileen, who was part of my church growing up. She came. She got baptized. I actually saw someone she knew from class at church, another sister. They connected. She got baptized. Her dad ended up getting baptized too, who was my Sunday school teacher growing up. Last year, his dad got baptized, who's 85 years old. And Eileen's had two other cousins she reached out to become disciples as well. That first year I got baptized, I also reached out to my other childhood best friend, Bobby. Talk about obstacles. He was lined up to be the president of his fraternity, lived in the frat house, lived a crazy lifestyle, was the most intimidating guy I knew in terms of how smart he was. And I just 
He was on my prayer list, but I thought he's going to get baptized years from now. But I was like, but what am I going to do? Wait years from now to talk to him about it? I got to try. Studied the Bible with him and he got baptized that first year and uh, did, uh, just did amazing things for God in our campus ministry. His mom ended up becoming disciples soon afterwards as well, along with three other people that I met and studied the Bible with on campus, all in my first year of being a disciple, having no idea what I was doing. Now, John Rodeo is a fellow region leader in the New York City Church, and Bobby Ritter just got hired to be the administrator for the New York City Church. Amazing things that God has done. By the time I graduated college five years later and was hired to be the full-time campus minister, we had already seen 64 conversions in our New Jersey campus ministry. I say all that and I want to say this, there is literally nothing special about me except that God is with me and I decided to move on knowing that. And I want to tell you that God can use you the exact same way. And I want to tell you that you won't grow until you go. The best training is on the battlefield. Get, get training, get advice, but don't wait. Go and do great things for God. You know, we're now 75 disciples in our ministry. We just sent out a guy that got converted named Charles to go lead the Bronx campus ministry. Another guy we baptized three years ago, David, to lead the Syracuse campus ministry. Now we're praying to grow to 100 and we're acting like it. This semester we started, the first two weeks, we set a goal to share with 9,000 people. And it was daunting, but we went for it. People really went all in for it. Matt Rupert shared with over 1,000 people the first week. Another sister, Shauna Gill, shared with over 1,000 people. At the end of the second week of this semester, we had shared with over 9,700 people. We currently have about 90 people actively studying the Bible out of that. Already, one guy named Marquise that was met has become your brother in Christ. We're praying for it and acting like God is with us, and He is, and He's doing it. So I want you to really think about this. What victories are you going to see God do in your life? What are you going to move on to? What's your obstacle that you're going to move on from? I really hope that my story and the things I shared in this story of the Israelites tells you that God is with you and God is ready to use you. God is calling you to move on. He's calling you to move on from fear to courage. To move on from shame to security. From being distracted to being a difference maker. From being selfish to being giving. From waiting to being a hard worker. From seeing obstacles to seizing opportunities. God is ready and calling you to move on from the obstacles and move on to the victory. It's been great being here. I can't wait to see what God does through you guys. Thank you.